So many souls have tested him throughout the course of time. So many still reach out to him with broken hearts and minds. And every one of them will say without exception that they find Jesus never fails. Um, in 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, there's really the verse 14 is where I want to concentrate a few thoughts this morning, uh, but I thought you ought to have a little context on verse 13. Wherefore, gird up your loins of your mind, be sober. If you, if you mark your Bible, uh, you may want to mark the words hope to the end. If God showed you everything, you wouldn't have to have hope. Because hope is for things not seen. And so if you saw everything and knew everything, you wouldn't have to have any hope. You'd have just sight. But God wants you to walk in faith. Faith and hope are related. And so we as born-again Christians, though we do not understand everything by far, we do hope. And we have a reason to hope for what God has for us. He says, hope to the end. Well, that's a sermon right there. Hope to the end. Don't hope, you know, till you're, just about to the end, and then things may go bad for you, whatever you consider bad, and then quit hoping. Just hope all the way to the end. Don't give up. And then it says, for the grace that is to be brought unto you. Boy, there's another sermon. There is still, God has not given us all the grace we're going to get. You say, Brother Bill, I was an old alcoholic, got born again, or I was an old drug addict, got saved, or I was an old sinner, and we're all sinners, by the way. And God saved me and cleansed me and put me in the family of God. My name's in the, in the Lamb's book of light. What else can happen? There's a lot more coming. There's a lot more good coming than what we have now and, and what we'll ever have. We have not, as, as long as we're in this body, we have not received the adoption of sons yet. For it says in Romans chapter 8, the adoption of sons is going to be to receive the new body. And we haven't received that yet. This old body this morning is is. I don't know about you, maybe this is just a moment for backaches. Man, my back's been killing me this morning. I got all kinds of aches and pains. How many of you, when you lie down at night, you can't be, you can't be comfortable because you lay on your shoulder and your shoulder hurts. You lay on your one side and your hip hurts. You lay on your other side and your other. That's me. How many raise your hand? Amen. Amen. God bless you. We're in the same Sunday school class. There's grace to be brought. That's a sermon, oh, Doc. You could take that around the country. There's still grace to come and just take off from there. There's grace to come. Boy, when? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then the text verse, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts. And the last three words, in your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That's our walk of life. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. In other words, Christ, once you trust him as Savior, is conforming you to his image. And you're being molded and made into the image of Christ little by little. 
But it's, it's radical in its, in its big picture. And God is uh, using troubles and trials and blessings and whatever he uses. He's got a whole array of tools he uses to conform us into his image, to begin to see things through his eyes, to begin to have values like he has, to begin to, to uh, perceive the world through the way the Word of God explains it to us. And it's little by little, day by day, and moment by moment as we walk with Him. There have been songs written about all that. You may have heard, how many of you have ever been stopped for speeding by a policeman confessed by raising your hand? Amen. I've been stopped six times for speeding. Six times. I've never received a speeding ticket. I, my whole life, I've never received a speeding ticket. Last cop, the last policeman, cop, who stopped me was down behind the mall. You believe the speed limit's only 40 mile an hour behind that mall? It ought to, it's a four-lane highway. It ought to be at least 60. I was going 55. He pulls me over. I'm getting ready to go shopping. What a, what a downer. My adrenaline was getting up, ready to go shopping, and then I get the red light blue light or whatever it is, and I pulled over, and he comes up to the window, and you know it's over, you know life's over as you knew it, and he comes over and he says, you know you're going 55, and I said, officer, I can be honest with you and tell you I had no idea what I was doing. He said, well, it's 40 mile an hour back there. I said, okay. I said, before you write me a ticket, I want to tell you I've never had a speeding ticket in my life, and I'm 60 some years old. He looks at me. He said, if that's true, you're not going to get one today. I don't lie. He thought I was lying. He went back and checked three or four tickets I have had, which are not for speeding. And he asked me, quizzed me, the last four tickets I had, what they were for. I couldn't remember. I said, I hit somebody, I ran a couple stop signs, and I did something else, but I didn't speed. And he said, you're right, and you're not getting a ticket today. I think I was led by God on that whole thing. Had mercy on me. But you may have been stopped by a policeman for speeding. One thing you may not want to tell him is, I didn't see a sign. I didn't see the speed sign. Don't say that. When he said the speed limit was 40, I said, okay. I, I you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try it because most of you know that if you tell him, well, I didn't see a sign back there, so consequently you can't ticket me, that's not going to fly. Because what are they going to say? Ignorance is no excuse. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. If you say, well, I don't know what that sign means, you're supposed to know what that sign means. Uh, I was, uh, we were on a motorcycle trip with Brother Cronin, and we were going to go into the French part of Canada. And I said to Brother Cronin, I, I do not want to go into the French part of Canada. And he says, why? I said, I don't know how to read French. I don't know what the signs mean. I don't know what their little things, I would be running around uh, dangerous, not be able to quickly react to anything. I mean, obviously, you could probably figure out a stop sign, right? But I actually don't know right now what the word in French for stop is. 
Uh, and so I said, I, I, I would be dangerous, and it wouldn't be right for me to go into the French part of Canada without knowing some French. And so we avoided that and went to the northern part of New Brunswick and then turned around and came down. And uh, ignorance is no excuse. And I tell you, with God, ignorance is no excuse. Did you know the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth forth his handiwork? Did you know the stars at night speak of God and who he is? Now, I realize they're broad truths, but the truth screams that there is a God. Your conscience, who is it when you talk to yourself? Who are you talking to? When you're conscious, when you go to do something wrong and there's a little voice that says, don't do that, who says that? Your wife's not there. She's my conscience. I married my conscience. But, um, she, you know, you, the, the point being that God's given you a conscience. Your conscience is not perfect. It can be seared. It can be convinced something's right that is wrong. It can be trained wrong. And so conscience really should not be your guide all the time. But a conscience can be okay. And, and, but you've got to be careful. But something is, who put that conscience in you? God did. God gave you a conscience to testify. Now, if there never was to be a judgment, if there never was to be a judgment, why would you have a conscience? A conscience is to help you in the time coming of judgment, in a, in a manner of speaking. And so God puts the heavens out there to declare his glory and his handiwork. That hurricane that came by, Irma, uh, she was one mean woman, and I'm going to tell you, I lived when there were no hurricanes. There were only hurricanes. And that old girl came by and whooped on us. Uh, could have been worse, but she whipped on us pretty tough. But as that whole eye, I caught the northwest, northeast eye of the wall, which was really something. My brother lost 85 trees. Um. I thought my roof was going. I thought the whole place was going for a while there, and it was really roaring. I mean, you could hear it. We were having a seismic reaction. My porch was actually shaking. There was vibration coming up through the ground. Seismic action. There was sound like a, like a train, like a jet engine. Uh, rain horizontal. Couldn't see through it. Trees and everything going down. It was crazy. For a while, there about 35, 40 minutes. And you know what I thought of? I thought of God. I thought, God, you got some muscles. I went over to like I did my dad when I was a kid, and I said, ooh. I said, we tough men, but we build all our little structures and everything, and then God comes by and goes, just like you do a fire anthill. Rebuild all that. They go, okay. Next morning, they got it all rebuilt. We're not that good. But there's no excuse for ignorance, and it's even more so with God. Uh, you, can't, you may be ignorant. You say, well, I'm ignorant of a coming judgment for your sins. It's not, not going to be an excuse for you. You may be ignorant of the Bible. It's not going to be an excuse for you. You may be ignorant of your responsibilities uh, before God, but it's not going to be an excuse for you. You may be ignorant of a place called hell where everybody has to go that knows not Christ as their Savior and doesn't have somebody to intercede for them like Jesus, but that's not going to be an excuse for you when you face him. 
uh, ignorance, though it may be a crutch, is not going to help you in the day of judgment when you stand before God. You need to get prepared now. You need to get informed now. You need to get educated about things to come now. That's why you're here this morning. You say, well, I just happened to come. You didn't happen to come. God, this is an appointment with God this morning. This is a supernatural meeting. Uh, things worked out that you got here this morning. You lived enough. We need to, as born-again believers, now I'm talking to believers at this moment, we need to get busy, and as, and as people that may not have decided what about eternity yet, you need to get busy finding out what God expects of you on this side so that you're ready to face him on that side. Because if I, said, if I ever said anything that was true, someday you're going to face God eyeball to eyeball. Your creator is going to come to you face to face, one on one. Not in a group, one on one. Evidently, he, feel, he felt like he owed you that. You want to be ready to see him. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, 18 says it this way. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, the, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, or being alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of the heart. Do not allow your ignorance of the things of God to remain ignorance. I'm here today to tell you there's ways you can overcome that. You need to take action. Decide, you know it's hard to change. It's been said it takes 40 days to change a habit. I don't know who came up with that, but 40 days to change a habit. You make your bed? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But if you don't make your bed and you decide this morning to begin making your bed, trust me, it isn't going to be easy. It's going to take 40 days to get in the habit of making your bed. Something silly like that. My wife and I bought a new sinks. We bought new sinks. Our old sinks, we let the water dry. Let the water dry. We let the water dry. We let the water dry. What happens in Florida when you do that is you get a deposit of minerals upon the and we tried acid, we tried alkaline, we scrubbed it, we ruined our sinks, trying to get them pretty, and it didn't happen. You couldn't get it off. That stuff's mean. So we got these new sinks, and I told my wife, we got to have a paradigm shift on these new sinks. We, every time we get them wet, we got to take a towel when we're done, and we got to dry them. Simple. Oh, is it? We're constantly after each other. The other day I said, you didn't wipe your sink down. I wiped it for you. Oh, she said, thank you. Then the other day I, I come back from work. She says, I wiped the sink down for you this morning. You didn't wipe it. And I said, thank you. And then the other day she didn't wipe the sink down. And I said, you didn't wipe the sink down while she's there. By the way, you didn't wipe the sink down, which really means you need to wipe the sink down. I'm not going to wipe it for you. But I'm going to tell you, we've, we've had those sinks. Kathy's not in here, I don't think, but we've had those sinks for uh, over a year now. And we still forget to wipe the sink once in a while. Pretty amazing how slow I am to learn. But, brother, I'm better than I was. And in Christ, I might not have all this thing together yet, but I'm a whole lot better than I used to be by the grace of God. There's progress being made. Obedience is the very 
best way to show that I believe. That sounds familiar. And James, did you know obedience is a choice? As a born, I'm talking to Christians now. You get saved. You trust Christ. Your sins are forgiven. The Holy Spirit comes in. The Bible says he's going to dwell with you forever, never to leave you. He's there to teach you who Jesus is and to conform you into his image. And that whole process is beginning to go on in your life through all the myriad of different ways that he does and he works. And, and you know, we have a choice. So even as a born-again Christian, you have a choice to obey. The Holy Spirit prompted you to play your trumpet. And there were a lot of other voices that said, I don't want to do it. I'm not ready to do it. And you've got, you go through that battle, don't you, Abdel? And finally, Abdel said, you know, I don't care what says, who says what, what. I don't care. I'm going to play the trumpet at gospel. God bless you, brother. You overcame a lot of voices. And he played his trumpet. And anybody that ever did anything for God had to overcome all them voices. All those inner fears and conflicts. Some of you out there got fabulous voices. Fabulous, sweet voices. And you will not go and sing special numbers because you're afraid of being embarrassed. Man, I'll tell you, I wouldn't be preaching. I'd never preach that I'd given in to those voices. I got up there and said, I'm going to yodel, but I'm going to do it for Jesus. You ever heard me yodel? I'm saving it for when I want to empty the place out. James chapter 2, verse 17 and 19 says, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God. You say, Belief's enough. No. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. In other words, after you trust Christ by faith, and you're born again without works but by faith, then it's time, to, it's time to obey. It's time to do. It's time to work. Look, the demons of the demons which cannot be saved and will not be saved, even if they could, uh, they believe that, that there's one God, and that's noble, but that's not going to help them. And if you, you can believe that there was, a, there was a person called Jesus Christ, and he was a historical figure, and he was a good guy, and maybe even a prophet, but that's not going to help you when you face him. You must believe that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God hath raised you from the dead, thou shalt be saved. If you're sitting there, and right now you're having a spirit of rebellion coming over you, and these are unwelcome words, uh, you're just like uh, when the policeman told you that ignorance is no excuse. You may have gotten mad at him. He says, well, you're not going to tell me what to do. Well, if you say that to him, see what happens. Then he says, oh, not only am I going to ticket you, but now I'm going to get you for resisting arrest. I was, I was stopped for taking a right on red, which I have done too many times. I don't know why you have to, why you have to slow down to take a right on red. I don't understand it. And I, but when a policeman stops me, I get real respectful. I put on my real, serious, respectful head. And my wife 
this, this guy comes in. He's a really short guy. He comes up to the door, and she says some derogatory remark about him being short. 184 bucks later, four hours of school, I told her, boy, if he wasn't here, I'd hurt you. How could you do that to me? She says, well, he don't say nothing, nothing, don't say anything more. I'll be going to jail pretty soon. There's such thing as willful ignorance. Amen? Willful ignorance. I don't want to study the Bible. Willful ignorance. I, I don't want to read it. Willful ignorance. I don't want to go to church where I can learn about God and know how to walk. Willful ignorance. That's not going to help you. Here's what the Bible says about it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, 29 says this way. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. And here's why. He goes back to the law of Moses. He, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye Shall he be thought worthy who had trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith, wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite to the Spirit of grace? He said, under the law of Moses, it was serious to come up against it and say, I don't like it. Uh, and, and, but how much under the New Testament under grace, being given mercy and kindness and long-suffering by God, sending his only son to die for you, letting him pay for your sins, and then you not caring enough to even read about it. Or you not even caring enough to go to church and learn about it. And you got 150 excuses why you don't do both of those things. It's not going to help you in that day. I'm here to help you see that. When I, years ago, when I was assistant pastor here under Pastor McKinney for 12 years, he made me the head of a lot of things. He made me the head of junior church. I didn't ask. He just said, you're the head of junior church. And so I got to go to junior church. Junior church are little kids, really small kids there. And uh, I love children. Now, don't get me wrong. But Morris and I have a little in common, Brother Morris and I. But anyway, I went to, this, I went to the uh, junior church every Sunday. Every Sunday morning, I went to junior church. And Miss Miley, at that time much younger, was teaching. She's a phenomenal teacher to those kids. Unbelievable. And she would teach those kids songs, and I would learn the songs. Pretty soon, I'm going in my shower singing these songs. Obedience is the very best way to show that I believe. Doing exactly as the Lord commands, doing it happily. Action is the key. Do it immediately, and joy you will receive. 
Obedience is the very best way to show that I believe. And then here's the hard part of the song. O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E. -E -E. I'm not a good speller. That's the first time I ever learned to spell obedience. Obedience is the very best way to show that I believe. The profundity of the song is unbelievable. Being a Christian is not a bunch of verbiage. It's not a bunch of ch-ch-ch-ch-ch. It's doing. It's action. It's it's getting out of your comfort zone, going to get boys and girls. Now, now let me tell you, there's five drivers uh, that drive those buses, and not one of them likes to get sweaty, except for Nick. Nick told me if we ever get air-conditioned buses, I don't want one. I, I've, I've held my word on that. Uh, and he told me the other day, I repent. <laughs> we have forgiveness at gospel. If he buys it with his money, he can have it. 84000 bucks, brand new. Uh, but they, one of the people who ride that bus would say, oh, that's the most favorite thing I ever did in my whole life, ride that a hot 120-degree bus. And when it rains, it's really nice. But they care about obeying. People go door to door. They don't go out there because they just love rejection. Oh, I get a thrill when I come to a door and they say, I'm this or that, and slam the door in my face. I just love that. Nobody likes that. I don't like it. I, I have a feeling or two left. And, I mean, you know, I'm like, wow. Uh, but you know what? We do it because it's obedience. Going to the world and preach the gospel to every creature, that means that's a myriad of different ways can be done. But door-to-door but -door is a good way. It's a good way. Bus ministry, not, and it, not all the way, but it's a good way. Passing tracks now, it's not the only way, but it's a good way. Going to nursing homes, not the only way, but it's a good way. What we do here at Gospel, what you, when you shake down some 20 different outlets of ministry, you're going to find that we're trying the best way we know to do to obey the Word of God. That's what we're simply trying to do. Because obedience is the very best way to show that I believe. I'm just going to let you sing the rest of it. Romans 6, 17, but God be thanked that you were servants of sin, that you have obeyed from the heart that former doctrine which is delivered unto you. Ephesians 6, 6 and 7. If I may preface it with not, don't obey with eye service as men pleasers but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as to the Lord, not to man. Abdel, you didn't know what I was going to preach on, but the Holy Spirit did. And our brother got up here and just prefaced what I was going to say. He's not up here doing it for his mother anymore because his mom's in heaven. He's doing it for God. And he always really probably did it for God. It's, well, maybe not always, but anyway, so. No, he did it for his mother's son. But anyway, you know what I'm saying? Wow. The two-sided edge of the coin, now obedience is, it has two sides. It's one coin with two sides. Because in verse 14, 
the other half of the verse, the first part says, as obedient children. I just got done talking about that. And then my other half, the other half of the same coin is what he says in the rest of the verse. Not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. The word fashioning is like a schematic. It's to copy something. It's to look like it. It's to lay it out. In other words, if you look like a duck and you walk like a duck and you quack like a duck, you may be able to try to tell me you're not a duck, but you know what? You're a duck. If you bark like a dog and you wag your tail like a dog and you smell like a dog, you're probably a dog. And you've got a group of people out there who say, I'm a Christian. But they act like the world, they smell like the world, they walk like the world, they dress like the world. Some ain't right. Some's not right, man. Two and two still make four, unless it's algebra. And if you understand algebra, you're from another planet. Obedience involves doing, and then it involves the doing part is a forsaking. When I got married, and I've used this illustration numbers of times, and I got because we've got a couple weddings coming up, some of mine. I forsook, I forsook all other women and dedicated myself to one woman. That's a big decision. Forsaking all others, I, I held to one woman. Now, that when she was 18, that was pretty easy. It ain't so easy at 65. And you say, Brother Bill, have you looked in the mirror lately? Shut up. <laughs> hey, she's got to look at me too, right? But I'm serious about that. Obedience is doing. It's not just saying. So many people are like saying, 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 talky, talky, talky. Start walkie, walkie, walkie. That's deep. And, and by the way, it's not only a forsaking of, of your former lusts and your ignorance. It is a, that forsaking means you don't look back at him with admiration. What would your wife think if you were Facebooking your old girlfriend? What would your wife think if your old girlfriend called you every week? What would your wife think if you said, I'm going to go out to lunch with my old girlfriend? It's okay, isn't it? She don't want you Facebooking your old girlfriends. She don't want you calling your old girlfriends. She don't want you talking to your old girlfriends. She don't want you associating with your old girlfriends if she's got half a brain. Why? Because you very likely go back to your old girlfriend. And so Jesus, is, he's the inventor of wisdom. He said, once you obey, you trust Christ your Savior, and you take me on as your Lord, right? Uh, don't fashion yourself. Don't go back and look with admiration on those old things. Don't, don't be listening to that old stuff. Don't be, don't be paying attention to that old stuff. Don't. Don't be going back and say, boy, that was, don't do it. Don't do it. Walk away from it. Stay away from it. Keep away from it. And by the way, they will call. 
I read an article where it was Facebook is, is accounted for so much adultery and betrayal because people are finding people on Facebook and then they're, they're, they're bringing up old conversations. And then pr- pretty soon they find they have more in common with the old girlfriend than they do their present wife. You know, she likes Dungeons and Dragons and, and your wife hates it with good cause. And, 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 but brother, I was thinking when I was preparing a sermon how different I am than I used to be. Now, you didn't know me the way I used to be, but I do. I, I dress different than I used to. I drink differently than I used to. I, I do different drugs. Now I do sugar. I used to do marijuana. Uh, I have different imaginations. I have different thoughts. Uh, I spend my money differently. I listen to different music. I have different attitudes. I have different reading. I have different geography. I'm at church rather than playing on Sunday. I'm at church rather than working on Sunday. I'm at church rather than at the bar. I'm at church rather than uh, what I used to do or used to be or where. And Wednesday nights, you can pretty well know where I'm going to be at. Uh, What happened? Jesus. Obedience. Obedience. It changed my whole world. Changed my whole walk. When I got right with God, 18 years old, and then got married to little baby Kathy Lee, and spent uh, we spent six out of our seven nights a week over at the church doing something into the bus ministry and Sunday school and prayer meeting and visitation and social outings and you name it, church, 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 church. Why? Because Jesus is 100% of our life. I want to forsake the former things. Put the former lusts away. It was radical. It's radical. I'll agree with you. It's harder than drying your sink. But drying your sink ain't easy. And for you people that bought glass, they lured you into putting glass in your shower. You poor souls. They lied to you. Oh, you can just squeegee it. Yeah, for about 10 minutes after you shower, every shower, you can sit there and squeegee that. That thing they show you in the picture hadn't had a drop of water on it. Brother, you want to get a shower that you can't see through, that you can't see it. That way you can leave it not dry. Just let it go. Life will be better. We need to, when you get saved, you change your focus, you change your habits, you change your purposes, you leave your former lusts as obedient children. Not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts. To get to the last part, because this is the whole crux of the sermon. In your ignorance. Don't stay ignorant. Because there's no excuse for staying ignorant. Once you hear this message, you're more accountable than you were before you walked in the door. I hate to tell you that. But you're more accountable today now. I just finished making your life harder. Because in some ways, it's going to be harder. But trust me, the reward will be worth every. It'll be worth every mile of the trip. Like a happy pilgrim who's arrived on that shore. 
and forgot how the waves tossed his ship. When I see Jesus smile, hear him say, well done, my child. It'll be worth every mile of the trip. Father, help us today. Help us. Uh, help us to see what you'd have us to see, to be able to perceive what we need to perceive. Forgive us for believing the lies. So We lie to ourselves. Terrible lie to yourself. Help us not to believe the lies, but to believe the truth. Father, open the door that no man can shut to the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.